Prince. You got a towel, man? It's kind of hot out here, man. Why don't you purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? Good. In your face, Charlie Murphy. Good. Good hustle. Yo, man, I'm not on your team. This is Sam. This is Paul. And this is Southpaw. Hi, Kim. Hello. Today on the podcast, we have humorist and satirist. And would you call yourself also an influencer? Oh, wow. I think influencer is something for like Instagram people, you know, to, to throw like the fire festival or whatever. I try to avoid that <laughs> word. I don't want to I don't want to go. I don't want to I don't want to mislead anybody to an island or anything like that. OK, OK. So don't buy anything off of you. Do not buy anything from me. Okay. (laughs) Like, how do you become prominent on the internet then? You're not an influencer per se, but you have a following. You have, you know, humor and artwork that you've put out online that's become pretty viral and famous. How did that all start? It's, it's, uh, It's pretty wild. It's been a journey. Let's see, back in the, I guess my, like my first uh experiment with doing stuff online really was uh i was a writer for a little news publication um called reverb press which is now defunct it was one of the victims of like the big facebook fake news purge you know just kind of something swept up into it that it was sort of just like regular blogging like like that's been on the internet for forever but there was all that scrutiny around fake news and everything so so that ended that died what was the theme of that uh press because it sounds kind of like a a tech kind of driven thing you well that's what i kind of thought i was signing up for at (laughs) first but it ended up being basically just a partisan democrat kind of uh magazine and uh you know i'm i'm a lot further left than that and it was just kind of silly like they would just sort of assign me articles and stuff, and I would just hold my nose and write. So I, I, I picked up a little, a little tiny following from that, and um, completely shifted gears. Um, <laughs> uh, and I decided, you know what? I'm sick of pretending to be serious because I'm not. I'm not really a serious person. Oh, before you were writing serious stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was deadly, deadly serious, and. I don't know. It was a confusing time for me. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was taking myself too seriously. Um, and so I just, um, I don't know, I went crazy one night. I think I might have been drunk or something. And I just, I just started adding people in mass on my, uh, on my personal Facebook. And uh, I just, I woke up the next day and I realized I had the weirdest people who had accepted my, uh, my friend requests. And they were all shit posters, right? And these are just people who, you know, uh, you guys know what shit posting is, right? Do I or I mean, we know what shit posting is, but let's say some boomer is listening to this. How would you define? Ew, let's boomer. say your mom is listening to this or somebody. <laughs> how would you define it? Um. Okay. So shit posting, it's like it's like low effort kind of content that just it's either intended to inflame or it's intended to just be ironic or stupid. It's like 
I liken it to this. It's like when you give up at a comedy club and you just start making fart noises into the microphone or whatever because no one cares who you are. <laughs> so you're just, you're just, you're, just, you're, you're, hold on, shitting out content. And, uh, it's it's sometimes good it's sometimes bad but it's it took on this real kind of um around the time of the election i think uh there there was this huge kind of shift in everyone's sense of humor i think towards more absurdity and i think this happens a lot in uh times of kind of like political instability and crisis people go toward absurdity uh, as something that they enjoy and so it just uh it syncs up perf- perfectly with my sense of humor i i i love absurd nonsensical um garbage so i was just instantly just swept away in this romantic world of shit posting okay so that's shit posting and then you really got known for memes yeah it was at the same time you started making memes and uh you kind of created a style i feel like uh yeah I've, I've definitely you definitely know one of mine when you see them um the the meme started with i did i don't know why i did this either i just i just took a picture of um rick harrison from Pawn Stars, you know that that uh, <laughs> that uh, History Channel show, and I just I just started playing with. I have a, a Chinese uh, selfie editing app called Me Too, an, an amazing app by the way, highly recommended to everyone. Um, it's called Me Too, and it just it had this feature where you can kind of like um, I don't know, kind of play with the image, like warp and and pinch and that kind of thing. And I gave him like tiny eyes and a giant head and and I just like wrote a bunch of dialogue under him saying something stupid. And that ended up turning into this big giant 40 long, 40 panel long meme where somehow Chumley from Pawn Stars starts uh, spouting communist propaganda. And this is it's just crazy, absolute insanity. Like you would have to be so high on acid or whatever to understand it. And even then I feel like you wouldn't really get it because there's no point to it, but it, it, it somehow it, it went viral. And uh, I, I ended up with like all these, uh, all these followers. And I'm like, well, I guess people like this stupid stuff. So I kept doing it and doing it and I'm still doing it, but I'm trying to, you know, trying to branch away a little bit from just the same meme style over and over again. So started doing podcasting and stuff like that just to kind of, branch myself out a little bit more. So you mentioned that you wrote for Reverb Press, and then you got into doing memes. Do you have a background in either journalism or design or Photoshop editing? Or was it just all self-taught? It's all self-taught. I So I was homeschooled, which might explain a lot to people. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Florida, homeschooled, grew up religious. This is recipe for disaster. This is a recipe for definitely a serial killer, but somehow you got me <laughs> instead. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, and there was a lot that was sort of like uh, forbidden or whatever, forbidden knowledge or whatever, because we that was a very hardcore kind of Christian thing. And uh, so I started teaching myself, uh, you know, a lot. And uh, I just picked up, you know, music. I picked up um, graphic design stuff and just anything to do with computers really I was super interested in um and then with the with regards to the whole journalism thing it I was really just looking for a place to write because I love to write um and I like to write you know um fiction and uh I, I got kind of interested in doing nonfiction and stuff for a while and so I was looking for like a a job that would let me um express that and then I ended up at at, at reverb press but um, you know, not and not to throw my old 
magazine under the bus too uh, too much, but the the bar for entry was extremely <laughs> extremely low. So I got in, and um, and I just sort of picked up those, uh, a few a few skills from from people there. It was very rare that I ever went out into the field and did any reporting. There was a couple times there was a shooting in San Antonio. I went out to cover. And I kind of just dropped everything and, and rushed over there and covered it. Shooting was over before I even got there. And I ended up just knocking on doors and getting opinions and basically writing what was basically a puff piece, which was just a huge waste of time. And, and it, it just kind of exemplifies what I what I hated about trying to be a, uh, a serious kind of journalist person. It's just, it's so much work and you really have to have that drive within you to, to want to do it, to, to report the, the facts or whatever. And I, 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 I don't have that drive. I just don't. Was there a time also somewhere in between this that you were kind of working for, I want to say like a startup or a tech thing, like you were doing some ad copy or were you doing like some blog writing for a company or something <laughs> let me tell you a little story about seo copywriting the worst job <laughs> in the world oh boy i feel so bad for anyone who who has that job and i know a lot of people who want to be writers end up with with uh with an seo job um so SEO is search engine optimization and i've worked for a few of these companies in the past basically uh, without getting too, without delving too much into the technical side of it, you're writing articles with the purpose of entering like a, a key phrase, like, like one I got a lot was "lawyers in San Diego" in all caps, and I had to put it in all caps for some reason. Um, and then you you put a link on that, and it goes to some person's website that they want. Jesus, you know. And so I would, they would assign me the most random articles. They'd be like, "Okay, I need you to write um, two thousand words." on why this new Netflix show is amazing. And I'd be like, okay, I can do that. And they'd be like, and your keyword is lawyers in San Diego. And I had to figure out like what, (laughs) (laughs) how I work lawyers in San Diego into just literally every piece of copy that I gave them. And it got to the point where I remember, um, and this is why also I make a terrible journalist, my boss at the time, and I never did this while, while, you know, blogging for, under my name or anything um but my boss at the time was like look just make up a quote i'm like you want me to just <laughs> just make up a quote and he's like yeah just make up a quote so <laughs> i was thinking there's no way i was gonna get away with turning in this copy and he was gonna be like okay that's fine so i i just wrote down like this is the best show ever says dan snooterman a lawyer in san diego and i turned it in and he's like oh wow that looks great thanks <laughs> I just realized, like, oh my god, there is no quality control on this stuff. I don't think I could just write whatever I wanted and uh, uh, and turn it in, but I can never make myself do it. I can never make myself sit there and just write garbage. I, I would always overthink it, so it ended up taking me way too long on these things that aren't going to be read by anyone. They just exist so that robots can uh, feed links back into websites and uh, give something a higher rank on Google. So I, I I did that to to pay the bills as well for a while. And um But it seems like it gives you an insight into this bizarre world of the internet and how it really works behind the scenes, like under the hood. Yeah, and I think I think what I am as like a comedian is is just a big blender of all this bizarre, weird shit that, <laughs> that I've been exposed to. So SEO, crazy religious shit, 
and then just internet weirdness and it's all it, it, it blends up in my mind and i regurgitate it out like in, in no particular order you know it's interesting you mentioned seo optimization as a terrible job but i'm listening to it like that's not bad i could do that just Ooh. write fake articles Ooh, and- yeah, they've got you in the trap now that's how they get you you think i could i could do that i just i just I just sit at my computer and write. It is the most torturous thing in the world to have writer's block over something that not only do you not want to write, something that you think no human being would ever have an interest in reading. I remember one, it was um, top 10 AstroTurf companies in, it was like Cincinnati. All right. And they, they make you do the research yourself. So I got to be Googling astroturf companies in cincinnati and of course i can only find six or seven so what do i do at that point do i make up an astroturf company i don't know maybe did i do it absolutely (laughs) but it's like mad libs on legendary mode you just have to find the hardest one and it's a challenging in itself (laughs) well that's kind of cool you know you if you like tearing out your hair staring at the screen you might you might love this you might love this job so basically, the internet had to take your human dignity away. Oh, yeah. That taught you something about absurdity, internet humor, nihilism. It's great. It's great that you mentioned my human dignity being stripped away because <laughs> that is exactly what happened. And I think this is what happens with everyone who gets real deep on the internet, especially me. I, you know, I, I, I basically was trying to make my living on the internet exclusively doing freelancing stuff. And so there's that kind of weird professional side of it where there's definitely no unions there's no rules and people in malaysia will underbid you all the time and then there's the whole world of you know trying to relax get some stress relief so you you know you check out the humorous sides of the internet and they're scary and bad and uh, also strip you of your dignity and you get made fun of a lot and basically i don't know basically it's it's a recipe for uh for a comedian really i mean I, I like to think that all comedians really have no dignity, and that's why <laughs> <laughs> we're able to, you know, do what we do. Do you do some stand-up comedy also? I'm not a stand-up, no. I um I like to think that I'm I'm an improv kind of comic, um, and that I, you know, I I do recorded stuff, and then um, there's a great podcast. How did this get made? They do. It seems like 90 percent of their shows or something are are live in a theater, and it's just super fun. And I'd love to get into that. And you got to release that as like a premium content. You can't just give that out for free. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be that premium shit. <laughs> <laughs> Your podcast seems like that where it's uh, seems like sketches that you've prepared and little skits. But then there's a lot of stream of consciousness kind of seems like live uh, improv. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 all stream of consciousness. I don't prepare at all before I do it. Um, <laughs> Even your little skits and sketches and stuff? Yeah, my little skits and sketches, I have no idea. I might work on a voice for like five minutes or something before I do it. And this is not to, you know, throw myself under the bus and say so I do no preparation or anything. But I like, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's, um, I work better if I just, if I have the idea and I go for it. And there's a lot that I leave, you know, on the cutting room floor that's just no good or or I was having an off day or whatever. Like uh, yesterday, I tried to record something. Okay, so I got to rewind a little bit. Two days before yesterday, I was at a club. It was 90s night, ostensibly. It was like hits from the 90s that you don't remember night at the club. (laughs) And then finally, a song I recognized came on. 
And it was a Gwen Stefani song. And I was just so elated to hear something I recognized that I started like headbanging really hard. And I did that for a full three minutes of the song, just headbanging. And uh, I, I ended up giving myself whiplash. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I tried to record a little something yesterday. And I was just in so much pain that like everything, like ugh, I couldn't do any mic work, you know, like uh, getting further away from the mic. Like I couldn't do any any of my normal stuff because uh, I, I couldn't move my neck. I was moving like Batman the whole day. You know how he has to like move the whole <laughs> upper half of his body around? Yeah, that that was that was me. So, you know, there's just, it just depends on, um, on my mood on the time of the day that I, that I do it. I got to kind of get myself to the right. You need the right amount of pain, but when the pain is too high. But when the, yeah, the, I, the, I have a pain threshold. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to find that magic sweet spot. Of I am, pain I am cutting myself in uh, 90% of my recordings. <laughs> <laughs> Going low on my funny bar. <laughs> Must cut myself. Must cut. Ugh. Isn't airline food wacky folks? <laughs> So you've been trying to make a living, do your thing, or just exist on the internet for a while. and uh, Just existing. And then you were mentioning previously, before we started recording, about that you were even doing some music stuff online, trying to do a little gig economy. <laughs> do a little like, gig economy. Yeah, this is insanity, actually. So it was my, uh, my first job ever was uh, making stock music and ringtones for Sprint phones. I did that. I was, uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a musical version of SEO copy. <laughs> You're like one of those Amazon Turks where it's yes. like, must put this piece <laughs> oh, with this God. piece. And I have, oh, I, let me tell you, I have gotten desperate for money before and, and logged onto that Amazon Turk website and just <laughs> did the most. It's very enticing, you know? You're like, oh, I just click buttons all I day. I just click buttons, that's fine. And then t- it ends up taking you an hour for for a dollar's pay. It's crazy. No, I was, let's see, how did I even get into this? I was uh, 15 when I first started doing this. And a buddy of mine uh, came over one day. And we were messing around on my keyboard. And I was really into just like recording music. Uh, this is another this is another phase of my life where I was taking myself like too seriously. Um, and I wanted to be like, you know, I don't know, Kurt Cobain or, or someone. You're like a Pokemon. You've gone through many evolutions. I, oft- I often say I, I am like a, a vampire in that I've lived like so many different existences throughout yeah, human human history. I am uh, uh, 200 years old, by the way. Um, so I was, I, mean, I was 15 or so, and a friend came over and we just started messing around on the keyboard or whatever, and we recorded it. And I don't know why he wanted to do this but he was just like hey let's put this recording on this website where people who shop for like music for movies go and and buy stuff i was like okay sure why not we did it and uh i think it was like 24 hours later we sold the piece for 25 dollars and we were just so incredibly excited because this is the first time we'd ever done anything like artistic that someone paid money for Instant dollinaires? Yeah, yeah, we were dollinaires. And I'll tell you, we thought we were going to be millionaires, and I'll tell you why in a minute. That never happened. Um, 
so we 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 said okay let's let's make a business out of this we've sold one piece in like 24 hours and of course we're like doing math in our heads and we're like so that means if we make like 10 pieces tomorrow and, and we all sell them and we'll have like all this money and like you know obviously it never works out that way it was just a fluke or whatever but we 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 get really into writing composing music and my friend was the uh, uh jeremy kawaja i don't know if he's still i haven't talked to him in years i think he's he might have um moved to Austin. I think he has a company now that he's CEO of. So I don't want to embarrass him too much, but we started, <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to do it. Uh, we started, um, he's legitimate now. Why, he's, would, you, he's why legit- would you drag no, his I'm name? I'm dragging this. him back down <laughs> onto my level. This is like the ring. Don't bring another name. <laughs> no, in. it's happening. It's happening. I'm going to name drop so many people and they're going to be shamed. They're going to get me too. All kinds of stuff is going to happen. <laughs> they're all like regular adults now working jobs. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just, I'm just here living in my, my, uh, one existing bed. on the internet yeah existing on the internet i don't exist outside the internet hardly at all you know i wake up i eat i sleep i get online well there's like a theory of like being able to live forever you know through memetics yes that kind of idea yes you're doing that you're literally doing that <laughs> you know there there's a uh, not to get too off track here from where we were but there's a there's a company um, it was a startup a few years ago when I looked into it. I don't know if it ever took off, but basically they you give them access to all your social media accounts and they will kind of build a personality profile of you. So they can um, basically design an artificial intelligence to keep on posting content after you die. Oh, God. Which I think is, you know, it's on the one hand, yes, it's terrifying. But on the other hand, I would love to be signed up for that. <laughs> I want to be <laughs> like a force ghost on social media, you know, where like people can just summon me and I can give them advice. Where was I? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So we were doing our thing. We were selling a few pieces. Um we got a few little crappy little pieces of music that are that made it into independent films. One day, I was watching a uh, I was watching TV, and a commercial came on, and I hear in the the background of the commercial, I hear a song that I wrote. I didn't even realize that I had sold it, and uh, it was just like a local water park or something stupid. I think Baytown Water Park. Look that up. Uh, and I was just so excited. It was felt like like that like I don't know. Uh, it was like my hearing yourself on the radio moment, you know, like when you're uh, a in- struggling indie band. That was like me. It was like, wow, these, these, this pirate themed water park, you know, is giving me some some traction. I want to be famous tomorrow. Um, this is where your following started. Uh, <laughs> I wish. Could you imagine? <laughs> hey, I know you from back in the day. Oh, Baytown water park theme. Oh, loved that. Huge fan. <laughs> uh, I started doing ringtones for sprint phones because this was back when people gave a shit about ringtones oh man you're moving on up I'm moving on up and they, they started actually like the company that i was working with it was like freelance at first but then they started kind of assigning me things so they're like okay what we need you to do is make and this is again just more of the bizarreness that i've been exposed to in my life we need you to make remixes or no sound alikes of popular popular songs so like um not santana but like mandana or something and uh what we need you to do is incorporate animal sounds into it and apparently like cows chickens monkeys whatever you pick the animal and i was like okay this is feeling an incredibly specific niche i'm not sure why you need this content but i will produce it for you and so i think my first one was again i think it was like mandana and it was like um i don't know it was like magic woman black magic woman that's a santana song right 
I think. Yeah, it, 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 was, it sounded like that, and I was playing guitar, and I just had a, a monkey going on in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid. But, uh, you know, we ended up making a, uh, quite a good amount of money for when you're that age, um, just doing these, these ringtones. And eventually, Warner Brothers... Warner Brothers, the movie studio. This would have been about 2008 when The Dark Knight had just come out. Me and my friend were really obsessed with that movie. Warner Brothers comes to the company that we were working for and they were like, hey, we need you to do some of like these remixes that, you're, that you've been doing of like popular songs, but take audio from our movies and make them into ringtones. And this is all going to be like on spec. And uh, they sent us the numbers for what, if they could approve like the licensing deal or whatever, what it would look like. And it was like, you know, fucking millions of dollars split between like four people. And we were, we were, we were super excited because we were just teenagers at this point. We're like, wow, okay, so this is how we're going to get our fucking Maseratis and we're just going to show up at our parents' house driving them. And it's just going to be like this incredible uh, success story. So we end up making like, dozens and dozens of these things and the licensing never works out and this is something you didn't really understand about the the i guess the entertainment business um at the time is that you'll work on specs so much and then things will just fall through so you can never just count on something and and expect it to really work um so we, we put a lot of like time and effort and energy excuse me you should edit out that that burp <laughs> into putting putting together these these ringtones and it just it, it became nothing and it was super super like devastating and then me and jeremy ended up having like a big argument later or something we we didn't work together anymore i mean I, i'm pretty sure like we're, we're cool or whatever but like it, we just we couldn't work together anymore we we're getting on each other's nerves so that was the the end of that career and then um Unbelievably enough, I got a job uh, working for a fish scientist like the next summer. So again, just one bizarre gig to the next. Uh, could not get any further away from making uh, ringtones to fish scientist. But the times you did work for the internet or anything technology based, there seems to be a theme, which is like almost like assignments are created by algorithms. Like our algorithm says... These monkey sounds with this yes. kind of music like must go together, you know, more like kind of. And that's why it's yes. the human dignity. Yeah, it's, it's all like Amazon Turk weird to make a living and exist online and try to support yourself. You have to give up dignity. Yes, it is what it seems it's, like. And so much of it is just being ruled by the just the insanity of marketing, you know, like only someone who works in marketing would ever run the numbers and go back to their boss and say hey there's a niche for animal ringtones of popular songs you know it's like who would think of that besides someone who works in marketing or a computer and yeah it's just my entire career leading up to me doing like anything funny was just me people pointing at weird things and saying go do that (laughs) (laughs) and me being like i'm your person i'll do it i don't understand it but i'll do it and uh (laughs) it it explains a lot about me explains why why i'm a weirdo it almost sounds like your entire career from teenagers on sounds like a mad libs (laughs) like Like at age 15 i was making ringtones yes and the next year i worked for a fish scientist <laughs> and then afterwards i it's pretty insane it's like a it's like mad lips d- again done by a computer done by an artificial intelligence 
like those weird YouTube videos, you know, where it's all made by computers, oh, splicing stuff together that people those, like. Those are, weirdly enough, those are also huge <laughs> influences on me. Are those, those weird, like, deep YouTube videos where it's like, you can't tell if a, a human person put this together and what would be wrong with them if they did or if it was a computer. And you don't know which one's more terrifying, that a computer put it together or a person. So now you're making that big uh, meme dollars, right? Like oh, as a meme so artist, I am it's very lucrative. And money, <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and to become a meme millionaire, we now know that it's not an overnight success. We just looked at you and was like, "Oh my god, Kim is making all these meme million dollars, and uh, you know, overnight success, making it rain." But it, it was a long journey there. It was a super long journey. Yeah, I don't know a single fish scientist. Like, I don't even know where to start. I could tell you some stuff about fish science. You know, if if, if you want to go there, let me tell you. But basically, meme is kind of like a free graffiti, right? You're just like, here, world, have it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I love memes. Um, it is like, it is a lot like graffiti. Um. I don't like the idea of putting memes behind a paywall. I don't think anyone would go for that. Maybe they would. I don't know. Maybe I should look into that. Yeah. Maybe maybe I should do it. Maybe I should do it. People do that for pictures of kitty cats, right? Those crypto kitties. <laughs> crypto kitties. Which you could just like do a, you know, a screen grab of, but if you want the real thing, okay, now, you got to pay money. I have not heard of this crypto kitties. It's all part of the blockchain stuff. All part of the blockchain. Oh man, the blockchain. I don't even know. After Dogecoin, I just checked out. I didn't even (laughs) (laughs) haven't caught up. Oh, man, you were one of the early pioneers. then. Oh, absolutely. I am actually super mad because I remember, you know, not to be not to sound like a hipster about this, but I knew about Bitcoin before everybody else did. And I could have invested at some point. I was looking into Bitcoin. and I was like, I should just put some money in here and just see what happens. And then I never did. I think because it was just a pain in the butt back in the day. It was your religious upbringing because back then you would only <laughs> buy it if you wanted to buy drugs on Silk Road or something. Absolutely. And I did want to buy drugs on Silk Road. True fact. That is why I was putting my money in there. Not really. Um, I just I just wanted to, uh, to, to try it out because it sounds so cool to me, like a digital currency and, and whatever. And um, I just remember checking or seeing the news stories like, I don't know three, four years later. I don't remember exactly how long. And just seeing like, oh, this kid's a fucking multimillionaire at 19. And I'm like, God damn, that could have been me. Maybe it is you and you don't want to say because you don't want to get kidnapped for your crypto dollars. (laughs) Wow, who told you that? (laughs) Where did you get that information? It's on the internet. Oh, oh shit. I have to go. (laughs) In your teen years making, uh, you know, stock music like kids do every childhood i think you can look back fondly like i remember when i made that ringtone for sprint Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah who can't and you were looking at uh crypto for drugs online (laughs) looking into crypto (laughs) so how do you go from religious homeschool to that oh so how do i go from like religious homeschool to like uh music and stuff or even like doing things that maybe your religion says you shouldn't do well, uh, it's it's been a, it it was crazy. It was okay. So I was a Jehovah's Witness when I was a kid, and now Jehovah's Witnesses are a lot nuttier than people think they are. Like, and people think they're pretty fucking nutty as it is. So that just there's so many layers of weirdness with Jehovah's Witnesses. Like Mormons look like fucking Episcopals compared to Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> Episcopals. Uh, <laughs> Dang, that's saying something. <laughs> I know. 
those normal ass people. Um, <laughs> uh, so like in the religion, for example, um, you're not allowed to watch R rated movies. Like that is straight up not allowed at all. Even when you're at an R rated age, you still can't watch it. Even when you're at an R rated age, you can be like 57 years old and still get in trouble with the church because like someone knows that you watched an R rated movie and tattled on you. It can happen. It's crazy. And it's like grown people subjecting themselves to this is, is nutty. But um, I just remember at a certain point, because I was, you know, uh, I had the internet, thank God. And I started getting like really, really deep into like reading about like film and like the world of movies and stuff. That was my, my first big uh, special interest that wasn't, um, you know, you can live forever on a paradise earth Jehovah stuff. So wait, weren't your parents trying to like stop you or like kind of put parental whatever stuff on the computer so you can't do this? Yeah, they there were parental blocks on the computer at at various points, but I um how old was I when smartphones came out? I'm trying to remember. At some point I got a smartphone or like a I it was like an iPod touch, not even a smartphone. Like that that thing that was like basically a phone except you couldn't make calls with it. You remember that mm-hmm. came out? So I got that and that just really opened up the whole world to me and I just remember reading about how movie ratings uh, come about in the United States, why things are G, PG, PG-13, or R. I remember reading that it was basically just like a small council of like random moms in California somewhere that make this decision and that it's like so arbitrary and all this stuff. And in my mind, I'm just like, okay, so there's this incredibly arbitrary like rating system that doesn't even like uh, have any consistency. And yet the messengers of God, my religion, are telling me that this is like a, a good enough system to prohibit you know you from doing something and, and that but this is basically coming from God. The idea of God vesting power in those suburban moms was just a little too much for my brain to handle. And I was just like, pop, I'm kind of out of it. And I just sort of, I don't know, it's it ex-Jehovah's Witnesses describe it like uh it's very it's very much like a it is a cult. So they describe it like a waking up like like Neo from the Matrix or whatever. And it does kind of feel like that. Like all of a sudden, boom, you're 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 isolated in this in this thing, and then there's this whole world around you that you've never even explored. So it was actually an incredibly exciting time as well as a very scary time because in that religion you can't you're not allowed to just leave. <clears throat> they'll uh they'll shun you, much like a I don't know, being a suppressive person in Scientology. Um, and you know, like you'll lose your family and your friends and all that stuff. So you're having to contend with that while also there's just like all this fucking knowledge and all this culture and stuff that you've never really experienced just all around you. So it was, um, it was a really exciting time and I didn't know what I wanted to do like with my life that was like my new, my newly found freedom or whatever. So I think maybe that's why I went through so many phases. I went through my music phase. I went through my writing about the 10 best astroturf in cleveland i went through all of it (laughs) and uh and uh you know i just i don't know i like to just get in there and try things and see see if it works for a while and see if it's for me is that why you're so knowledgeable about the internet you think because you felt like you had to do catch up you're like oh what is all the shit i missed and oh yeah let me go deep dive oh absolutely i had to get in there and just catch the fuck um there's still like references and things that i don't get and luckily i can just you know look them right up and teach myself 
Yeah, what is uh, Jehovah's Witness anyway? Because, you know, I think I always kind of confuse it with other religions. I know about, like, no celebrating of birthdays, right? That's the one everybody knows. Right. Or no holidays, period, right? Yeah, no holidays, period. How did the religion start, though? Okay, so the religion started with this guy. His name was Charles Taze Russell. Everyone gather around the campfire and tell a story. Charles Taze Russell. And he was an insane person, uh, much like many other revivalists around that time. This was during the uh, Second Great Awakening, which I could get my I could get my dates wrong, but I think it was in the, like the mid to late 1800s kind of thing. And this uh, this guy basically he started a uh, a magazine called the Watchtower Magazine, and that's what to this day Jehovah's Witnesses leave at your door. So if you know you get a pamphlet from uh, a terrified looking child in an oversized suit that says, "Hey, don't masturbate," that is the same magazine. It's uh, the Watchtower. It always has like the shittiest artwork. Oh my god! Uh, oh yeah, and we should get into that in a minute because I, I use their artwork ex- extensively <laughs> in my in my in my uh, my and my remixes and stuff. Um, but so he started this magazine and he came up with like some of these uh, some of these wacky doctrinal things that a lot of people um, associate with the religion now. Like um, Christ didn't die on a cross; he died on an upright stake, basically a tree. So in all of their artwork, it looks like Jesus is being nailed to a fucking telephone pole. It's bizarre. Um, he died for our Wi-Fi. That that'd be a good shirt. I'd like to. I'd like that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> There's that marketing brain of yours. What are the best? 10 astroturf companies in cleveland so he also came up with the the idea that the the trinity is fake news basically there's no trinity um there's god his son jesus as a totally separate person not like the weird three-headed god thing i don't know what regular christians believe the therabus yeah uh, <laughs> and and then there's God's Holy Spirit, which was not like the Holy Ghost. It was like it was basically explained to me like it's the force. Like it's mm. like if God had the force, this is God's force. So it's like the wind moves and it makes something fall over on the bad Canaanite or something. It was God's Holy Spirit doing it. Um, <clears throat> and so this is these are kind of like the foundational core nonsense beliefs but also posited that like the end of the world was coming uh, in like 1914 I think it was and then 1914 happens the end of the world doesn't happen but World War 2 or no World War 1 starts rather and it's like you know it's the great war so it gives them like hope that the world is going to end and that they were right all along imagine hoping that the world was going to end uh, <laughs> that's 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 the kind of mindset um, and then this guy eventually dies. Another guy gets in charge, and his name is uh, Judge Rutherford or something like that. He wasn't really a judge. He just called himself a judge, which I don't think you can just do. Yeah, you can. I don't think you can just... Judge Reinhold. Judge Reinhold. Also, Mike Judge. Didn't think about it hard enough. You're right. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and uh, around this, after that guy's kind of tenure... Um, a lot of the the more culty kind of aspects started to take hold like um disfellowshipping is when someone does something bad in the religion could be just as simple as smoking a cigarette like you're not allowed to smoke cigarettes um you could get disfellowshipped kicked out of the religion and and shunned and uh it's just been it's just been um cuckoo bananas ever since then 
And what's odd now is that now that I've gotten out of it, right, they've kind of shifted their focus to being more like an online kind of religion. Like they still have their like their like their meetings and all that other stuff, but like all of their books and pamphlets and stuff, they're basically published online as PDFs and everyone brings like iPads and stuff to to church and uh and uses those. So and then they're like also trying to propagandize with like videos intended for children. There's a lot of really creepy animated videos featuring like these two characters and you should absolutely look this up uh listeners called caleb and sophia and they have like these terrible misadventures where they talk about how like gay people are bad and and other stuff so if you're a fan of religious propaganda it is some of the weirdest most disturbing stuff you'll ever come across highly recommended from me they're shit posting now (laughs) It's like they hired a marketing director. It's like, hey, we got to figure out how to attract more members. Yeah, we got to get these millennials. They're shit posting on 4chan right now. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. I would love it if they went that direction. Just go full troll. Why not? And that's another thing I feel like you have expertise on is. Maybe. We'll figure it out. We'll find out how smart I really am. Yeah, the three of us, we'll figure it out. <laughs> if, if not you, one of us, or someone, yeah, some Cerebus Holy Spirit composite version. <laughs> I got Google open. So, uh, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot, and especially like in the world of, you know, Facebook groups and message boards and, you know, Reddit and whatever, it's like this discussion about the power of online humor and, and memetics and, and shitposting. And you could use it mostly for just comedy, like pure comedy, just yeah. to make it make people laugh. Right. But there are also people who use that to disguise like very dangerous and often like, you know, homicidal kind of thinking. Definitely. And then it's easy to dismiss because, you know, you're like, oh, it's just a, a funny meme or a funny post. Yeah. You don't know what's ironic. And that's by design um, for sure. Uh, it's crazy. Um the you know not to not to bring up too recent of a tragedy but you know the uh new zealand shooter was his manifesto if you've gotten a chance to read it it's basically just reads like like a big shit post it's meant to troll journalists it's um full of just kind of insider references to memes and other stuff and uh i think he said subscribe to pewdiepie or something before he did the um the the shooting it's all just intended yeah to to rile up and troll because a lot of those things a lot of those things that that shooter uh mentioned are kind of the exact types of things that people argue about saying hey this is a this is a nazi dog whistle and other people are like no it's just a joke you just don't understand it and no one's really sure who's using it for what you know um so it's 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 incredibly confusing it's a hard world to navigate but it does more and more seem like it's having real world manifestations right it was completely abstract completely digital and it's appearing you know in real life not just with the shooter but like you could say you know, it happened with Trump or a lot of people's ideologies, their political thinking yeah. now has been changing. It has. Um, you know, I think even uh, and it, it can be it can be good. It can be innocuous. It's just the days are gone because I remember these days really fondly when the Internet just kind of didn't matter. Like it, it was a powerful force or whatever still in the world. But it was like the things you read online, you could just kind of dismiss. Oh, that's just some crazy person. That was just a joke. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Who cares? Moving on. 
um, because it didn't really have the same kind of real, uh, real world consequences. And I think there was really a, a change in demo, like as far as Trump goes, it was a change in demographics, uh, certainly like on Facebook around the time of the 2016 election, where you had a lot more uh, older people who maybe weren't used to navigating this, that kind of media environment. Um getting on there and uh you know i, I don't want to say that they're like all gullible they'll fail for fake news or something but it's just a completely different w- kind of media experience than uh a, a lot of them had experienced before social networking social media so um the real world manifestations of it yeah um there was another case uh elliot rogers i think his name was who was the incel shooter and you know incel uh right? Like a involuntary celibate. Yeah. 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 And that's another thing, right? Like people online knew what that was for a while. Yeah. And there's still a lot of mainstream people who've never heard that term, but more and more people are becoming aware. And that's the other thing is like, these things are so like uh, manipulative and it's changing the world. Yet I think mainstream or like a lot of these political outlets don't cover it because it's easy to dismiss. They're like, well, this isn't serious stuff, so we're not going to cover it. Well, and because I think a lot of them are still really disconnected from the the, the culture of it. Like, um, there's a pretty decent book called uh, Kill All Normies by, I can't remember the author's name. Angela Nagel. Angela Nagel, yeah. And that's sort of, I think, one of the first times I had read... Um, any media that that took a deep dive into internet culture and actually got most of it right you know what i mean um because a lot of the times the i think i was reading a cnn article about the um the christchurch shootings and just the way that a lot of the i don't know the the info is phrased just told me that like this person is definitely unfamiliar with this particular dark corner of the internet just the way that they uh they reference things and that that's also fuel for these kind of like right-wing trolls like uh um they love it when journalists get things wrong and they love to trick journalists there was the uh learn to, hashtag learn to code or whatever that they uh they directed at journalists and they 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 love it when they they misunderstand the culture i think really um you know what's what's so unfortunate about the whole thing is that uh, there is a lot of innocent humor that I think gets swept up in it and gets lost in the uh, in the uh, the maelstrom. Or even like uh, stuff like this used for for good. Like I would say a lot of your best stuff is subversive in a different way where you would look at something innocuous, right? Right. That's easy to dismiss as, ah, it's just benign or it's neutral. This is completely neutral. Let's say like, you know, when you make fun of uh, uh, Joe Rogan. Right. Or like an <laughs> Alex Jones or something, right? right. right? But then there's something in your humor where you're like, really? Is it? Like, there's a joke here I'm missing, right? Right, right. It makes people have to kind of reconsider. Kind of dig deeper, right. And that's just classic, you know, it's just a classic kind of neo, I can't say classic neo-Dadaism. So I just say it's like neo-Dadaism, it's like neo-Dadaism or, um, you know, a postmodern take where, you, where it makes you just kind of have to think about the joke a little longer, deconstruct it, maybe deconstruct why you're laughing because you don't even get the joke. And that's, you know, that's the stuff that I love. Wait. Yeah, no problem. Just the stuff you're talking about, right? There's another element that these journalists and even people who might be young or who think they get memes, there's another aspect that they miss, which is this philosophical tinge where- Oh, absolutely. A lot of the best uh, uh, memers and people who do shit posts or funny satire, whatever side they're on, whether they're on the side of good or evil, 
uh, like you being more on the side of good, you know, more on the side of good. Yeah, more not completely. You have bad <laughs> yeah, days. Too, I have bad know? days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but there's always like this philosophical knowledge that I think people who did satire and humor in the past, like even Gen X, right? Yeah, they didn't use that. They didn't know anything about philosophy, whereas all the good stuff now and all the most dank internet stuff yes. is very heavy in philosophy. Yes, it is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So how did you get into philosophy? So, um, you know, after your whole world melts away, like when you realize that like the the things that you believed aren't true, just flat out, do not square with reality. Like um, when I was a Jehovah's Witness, I didn't believe in evolution. I uh, How old did you think the earth was? Oh, do I even want to say? 6,000 years, give or take. 6,000 years old. Actually, no. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses, it's kind of unique. They believe like mankind has been on the earth for about 6,000 years. Um, but they think the earth itself, they accept that the earth itself is older and that like dinosaurs happened and everything. It's, it's a lot of cognitive dissonance there. It's not really discussed like okay well how did dinosaurs happen if evolution is fake news like i don't understand god created the dinosaurs and he's like ah fuck it and he just <laughs> wiped them out with a big asteroid i don't understand why he would do that but um yeah six thousand uh years for the the entire human species because that's when the bible starts and so six thousand years ago so so when you're a jehovah's witness did you believed the earth was flat as well or was that <laughs> uh, not mentioned uh, i never believed the earth was flat in fact a big bragging point that they use to prove that the bible is true is uh i think it's a scripture in proverbs it says uh jehovah's is you know, something about the whole circle of the earth and like see circle of the earth nobody knew that the earth was a circle back in those days so the bible must be true but i mean everyone knew that the earth was a fucking circle back in those days the flat earth stuff didn't even start until later is that a Jehovah's Witness thing, though, that a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses think it's flat? Uh, no, no, actually, there's, there's no Jehovah's Witnesses who think it's flat. Um, it's like a part of their uh, doctrine, really, that the Bible says the earth is a is a circle. It's crazy. Oh, I thought you meant circle like a flat disc could be a circle. Oh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I should. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should uh, re- <laughs> rephrase. Um, that's just how that that's how our copy of the Bible would say it. The earth is a circle and they'd be like, you know, oh, it's a globe. And it means Whoa. globe, you know, because I don't they just they weren't thinking three dimensionally, <laughs> apparently. So they're progressive in some ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Compared to the flat earth people, they're pretty fucking yeah. progressive. <laughs> that's not that bad. That's, that's, that's not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, hey, they let you use iPads in church. So can't get more progressive than that. So from religion it wiped away uh, you deleted it file fucking deleted then what happened okay so a couple of things happened number one i got really into porn for the first time so you know that took up a good 100 percent of my time for the next month and a half then i was like okay i need to figure out mm, the rest of my life so I just started, you know, researching different belief systems. I was at a point where I was still sort of like, okay, uh, this religion's fake, but maybe another religion could be cool. I was like, I was like window shopping for religion. So I looked into all kinds of them. Um, I was down with like Sikhism until, you know, I realized "Hmm, that would be weird. And then I was down with like uh, new age stuff. And then just like, I don't know, I was, I was kind of lost, you know? And then it just so happened that um, this was uh, during the era when um, new atheism was really big. 
Uh oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could have. Oh no. Mm-hmm, 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 Not mm-hmm. only Bitcoin, but this you were involved yeah, in all of I I am Reddit.com personified, apparently. Um <laughs> I got really into really into um Christopher Hitchens in particular. I thought the other guys were were cool, but um I loved I loved Christopher Hitchens because I loved how just the breadth of his knowledge and just how incredibly well spoken he was. And um, you know, he kind of just I don't know, listening to his talks and lectures and stuff, it kind of just helped me take that that leap, I guess, of non-faith and just saying, okay, it's okay if like I'm not going to have an afterlife. Because up until this point, I had been thinking, because this is what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, that I was never going to die. The world would end before I died and I'd get to live on the earth for forever. And that's their beliefs. Um, and that, uh, in addition, everyone I've ever known who's died would be like resurrected Um zombie style i guess but like fully fleshed out not scary zombies uh come out of the ground and we'd all just like hang out with bible characters forever and this was like my sincere belief and then you know it's this kind of a huge existential crisis you have to get through when you realize that oh wait yeah i am going to die just like everyone else so christopher hitchens was uh an especially like profound thing because he actually died around the time that I was really learning about him and then his book more uh mortality came out and it's just him facing death with like such courage and conviction uh uh, uh and just like you know just like fortitude in, in the face of his cancer diagnosis that I was just super inspired to be strong about the idea that you know one day I'll die and that everyone I love will die and and that's okay it's just how it goes um but that was just sort of my introduction into um into I guess thinking deeper I thinkly I didn't stop at christopher hitchens like a lot of people um i think do sounds like the end of uh religious thinking as a world explanation he was kind of like a bridge yeah exactly he was kind of like a bridge um and then i i you know i i i got uh, i don't know i got i think marxism was the next thing that really um attracted me um as far as uh just that whole whole thing i never delved too deep into it but I just kind of bounced around, you know, famous philosopher to famous philosopher, reading their Wikipedia page, checking out their published works and trying to get through them. I think I was into Daniel Dennett for a while and uh, other people. You know, you you kind of went a path where you could have easily gone like alt-right or something. And yeah. You, you fell the correct way. Yeah, I know. Because a lot of people start... <laughs> With them, and then and yeah. then they go to Islamophobia. Yes, exactly. Like... It's crazy. I think about that all the time. Actually, it's it's super funny that like um, that like uh, I ended up not being alt right because I would have been the, the perfect candidate for it. I just don't think I don't have I don't have an alt right soul. I don't think mm. uh, deep inside that's not who I am. Um, but I but at the same time, it gives me kind of a interesting perspective as far as uh, how we ended up here and and and. Uh, you know the the mindset of of some of these people because I could have easily lived a life where I don't know I got angry and I isolated myself and never fucked or anything like that and you know went down the whole incel rabbit hole or whatever and believed conspiracy theories because my mind was so impressionable after leaving religion you know um, so it it could have easily happened to me honestly um, there but uh, what is the, the saying. Uh, there but over there? No, no. There but for the grace of God go I is what it was. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. That's not as cool. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. It's like in your earlier time when you were shopping around, it seemed more like free agency. Yeah. Like, oh, well, let's see what team has to offer so-and-so. Yeah, it's like, yeah. eh, I'm not sure about this. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe at the time, 
if you were to go down the alt-right rabbit hole, it's like, you know what? I don't know if I mesh as well. I don't like the defense. The owner <laughs> seems kind of like a dick. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if this is the right fit. <laughs> it's just not the right fit for me. You weren't in love with it. I wasn't in love. You didn't love it. I think that can happen, though. I think it can happen and does happen with just it's impressionable young people. And um, I just don't think they're taught like the kind of critical thinking skills that they need. And they, they get into these online communities where everything is so there's the illusion that the beliefs that are being shared are incredibly widespread and normal and popular or whatever. And that by believing these things too, you're part of a a much larger community than you really are. And that's really, honestly, it's almost down to the technical design of some of the websites that these uh, communities are hosted on. I remember, you know, the, the big problem I think with Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, even uh, 4chan, they all catch a lot of shit for, um, I don't know, being places that these people convene. But but really, like, I remember Reddit in particular being a huge issue because the comment system on it is designed for groupthink, basically. It's designed for the the most popular, whatever has the most upvotes or whatever. And so you just, it just takes um, a couple of people to kind of start that torrent of, 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 of whatever. And before you know it, it seems like, oh, wow, well, 2,000 people thumbs this up or whatever. So this is a really popular opinion. This is maybe something I should pay attention to. And it was also around the time when I think the the old internet rule, don't ever read the comments, kind of went out the window because websites became basically just big comment boards, big messaging boards. I remember that being a good rule, don't read the comments, because back in the day, early YouTube, you'd be watching a video of some baby dance and or whatever, dancing to a Jay-Z song. And the the first comment would always be like, that baby should fucking kill itself or something crazy, you know? So, I don't know. I think we started reading the comments and that's where we went wrong. I think also the old internet rule, don't click on that link because then whenever you did, it was like a virus, right? Right. So for a long time, people were scared to click on links and then fucking Steve Jobs and these Apple computers and then people stop being afraid of viruses. They're all like, oh, I have an Apple, I have a Mac, I can't get a virus. And then- People started clicking on every link and then fake news. <laughs> exactly. That's what happened. Right? Isn't that how it happened? That is exactly what happened. Nobody explains ah. it like that, but that's what happened. Yeah, fuck you, Steve Jobs. If I could just say, fuck Steve Jobs's ghost. Because <laughs> No, but I do remember a time <laughs> when like, you know, the Macs were making a comeback. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm still to this day a PC guy. Good for you. Yeah, and people are always like, oh, I can't get a virus. I have a Mac. <laughs> First of all, they're full of shit. There are Mac viruses, especially now. Yeah. No, but yeah, I remember those days too. I was so adamantly a PC guy. Those commercials with the PC guy and the Mac guy <laughs> would piss me. I would scream at my TV like it was a fucking sports game. And I'd be like, come on, PC guy, get in there. <laughs> Fuck up the Mac guy. No, so I, I think if you if you stayed a PC guy, right, like uh, like that guy, uh you you kept that fear you know of clicking on weird links in the mac people's defense the, the pc <laughs> the pc people did have to go through <laughs> some dark periods some dark times we had windows vista oh god we had just seems like a string of flops for a while before they just made a stable operating system they figured it out with xp and then they kept going yeah <laughs> XP was the best. I'm like, you figured it out. Okay, stop here. Stop and they, they XP. kept going. Yeah, I know. I don't know why they kept going, honestly. Honest to God. I remember for the longest time, that was one of the most 
long-lived operating systems, like long after the other ones came out, people were still using XP, and I was always hype about it. I'd be like, oh, you have XP on your computer still? Oh, shit, I'm getting on this fucking thing. I'm in a Windows Movie Maker right now. So you were in the rabbit hole. You were uh, uh, looking for new answers. It sounds like also this kind of replacement of religion with you know science and philosophy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's also kind of what shaped your politics because you said you're left of liberal. So yes, it was it philosophy and all this kind of critical thinking that got you there. Uh, yeah, definitely. And uh, you know, I I think I was um, uh, up until the 2016 election. I'd say I was just a you know a regular kind of progressive person. Like I I supported Bernie Sanders. I you know I I thought you know I guess I considered myself a a democratic socialist or something. Um, uh, and then the, the Bernie Sanders campaign thing happened with Hillary Clinton and there's all the crazy stuff that happened. And I was, don't forget at this time too, I was, um, covering all this in my political magazine and it was kind of breathless coverage. I exhausted myself working, you know, 18 hours a day, just writing up these, these blog posts on, on things. Cause the news cycle was, it was getting insane. Um, and this is not to even mention Donald Trump and covering Donald Trump is a whole different thing. Um, so I was kind of just, I don't know, kind of disillusioned, I guess, with the American political uh, process, but I didn't want to do the thing. I didn't want to do the green party spoiler or Bernie, well, what, I don't know, Bernie five ever people thing. And, you know, I was like, I, I understand this is what we have. I voted uh, for Hillary Clinton. I don't care who knows. Uh, <laughs> You had to do the deed. You had to do the deed. You know, so just like you got to hold your nose and write about the 10 best AstroTurf companies in uh, Cincinnati. You also have to do it with uh, Hillary Clinton and pull the lever. Um, but uh, yeah, but after that, I don't know. I, I got into um, I got into a more of a further left thing. I guess I'm a I guess I'm a Marxist Um now. And I, I try not to I try not to actually get too involved in the in american politics because this is a big big issue i have and that's the culturalization of politics and that's where somehow uh, can you still listen to michael jackson's music now that you know what you know is somehow a political question and it's left or right and there's that dichotomy and i that's to me that's a cultural question it's a social issue or whatever and i I, i'm really primarily interested in in economics you know i've grew up very poor um and i've been poor pretty much my whole life and so my kind of sympathies naturally are with economic policies that are um, to the left globally um that would just improve the lives of poor people immediately how dare you yeah i know (laughs) what a dick move caring about majority of people yeah i know i i i should quit i know i should quit You were starting out so well, you know, just being a internet drone, just clicking on buttons. I, 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 I can I can talk about how we should cancel Michael Jackson if that, if that would make up make amends. <laughs> you personally are interested in economic policies, but looking at your satire and stuff online, you seem so aware of like the different political cultures and just the cultures, especially online. Like yeah. I would say. You were probably more aware how big of an influence somebody like Joe Rogan was becoming before, you know, I, now I see like regular political outlets talking about how much influence he has, but you were kind of calling that out way before. 
Yeah, I was. And um, I think the reason why is <laughs> it's almost kind of a just all coming from a place of cynicism in a way where I'm like, I always want to talk about, you know, I always want to talk about bigger issues. I feel like I always want to talk about, um, you know, the fact that people do work 40 hours a week in this country and cannot afford uh, rent with a with a full-time job or people get scheduled for 39 hours so that their employer doesn't have to give them health insurance or that the state of Texas basically killed Obamacare here so that, you know, I, I make too little money to qualify for like the, the Medicaid thing. So it's, it's insane. And, and all anyone ever wants to talk about, it seems like is, is who's getting canceled. Um, this drama on Twitter or like this, you know, just whatever. And it all just seems, I don't know. It seems so irrelevant to me. Like as far as questions of politics go, I don't know why they're questions of politics. And I, um, I kind of want to inflame people on both sides, just a little bit of, of whatever, uh, I don't know, dichotomy it is. And maybe, maybe, maybe just kind of, I don't know, subtly incept the idea into their head that it's not as important as um, as something else. But as far as like Joe Rogan goes, <laughs> I've actually been a I've actually been kind of a fan of Joe Rogan since he was on Fear Factor. Uh, because I loved that show. I, I liked watching people eat bugs for some reason and, and uh, swing across canyons and all that stuff. A lot of people did. Yeah, a lot of people loved that show. And I think he's an okay, um, I think he's an okay comic. I don't, he's not really my style. Like I, I like more of an alternative thing. He's very 90s. It's very 90s. Yeah. And what, and it's, it's the, the 90s are coming back in a big way. If uh, Joe Rogan is like the most popular podcaster, it's crazy to me. But I mean, I think, I think he, he has an okay show. I mean, some of his, like some of his, the things he said is, have been absolutely ridiculous, but I'm not one to judge people for saying ridiculous things, obviously, because that's all I do. Um, but I, I don't know. To to me, it always seemed like just this hugely outsized influence that he has. Like, there's so many people of a specific demographic, um, which is usually just sort of like a, a white male, certain age, um, eighteen to thirty-five. Who just um who really love him, and I think it all has to do with the fact that we all a, a lot of us had this uncle back when we were we were kids, <laughs> this this weed smoking uncle who would um just you know talk about DMT and muse about like stupid shit, and we thought it was like the deepest like whatever possible. And I just I honestly there's shit happening, man. There's shit out there. There's shit happening in the world. The truth is out there, man. Oh yeah, because the '90s was that fucking X Files shit. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it just hasn't. It's like it hasn't gone away or somehow. It's like a whole new generation of people being like, I don't know. Just ah, that's another thing I have a problem with is it's just the um, I guess I don't know pseudo intellect kind of stuff where it seems like they they think that what they're talking about is really deep and special and meaningful or whatever. And it's just you know, it's just shit we all as far as I'm concerned, shit we all should have thought about when we were you know when we were young anyway. It's almost like inane stock quotes or something, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the live, laugh, love of angry white guys. <laughs> yeah. Like, even for us, we kind of went down the same similar path and I think uh, became aware of this kind of weird online influence because, you know, I was kind of into new atheism for a while. Joe Rogan. Right on, brother. Right on. You know, I did a couple tour duties listening to uh, the Rogan podcast. Uh, Book, yeah. And uh, mixed martial arts, too. I feel like mixed yeah, martial yeah. arts is also a symptom of like this weird pro wrestling, too. 
a lot of pro wrestling memes and and mixed martial arts culture. Chapo Trap House did like this uh, kind of interesting YouTube docu series about it. But Chapo's nuts. I love love Chapo. By the way, yeah, they did a kind of a weird. One of them did a weird docu series about how MMA is just a symptom of this weird new kind of politics coming up. That's interesting. I haven't actually heard that perspective um, before. So, as a martial artist, what's your take on? on mixed martial arts like i'm uh, as far as what you just said because i i hadn't heard that perspective before well i mean it is kind of that weird mishmash of whatever joe rogan is right and and typically that would have like sent us down the libertarian or like kind of the new online troll right 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 that loves mma like you go to a lot of these channels they will talk about mma they do love mma yeah it's it's weird i hadn't actually put it together but it, it is it all kind of works together like strange that's been the joke about this uh podcast southpaw we call it joe rogan for the left (laughs) you know that's funny because i uh when i i first did the first episode of my podcast i released a poll online and i asked you know what should i call my podcast and the two options were kim bertrand podcast or the joe rogan experience (laughs) (laughs) and of course everyone chose the joe rogan experience so for the first few episodes all the posters and stuff said joe rogan so it was funny yeah so uh, we could have easily went down that road, but I think there is a pocket of people kind of like you, kind of like us, where we went down, like, it's like familiarity breeds contempt, right? Yeah, That's why yeah. there's so many like gamers who hate leftist gamers, because most leftists are gamers, you know, right? Like, or they like the same animes. There is a lot of overlap. Mo- you know, most people are, are gamers, period, I would say, like, well, we all play video games, I would say, like, uh, I count phone games, by the way, like a lot of, a lot of gamers don't like to, but their games, you know, as long as it's not like, I don't know, money tap or something that's really pointless. Um, but I think that that kind of opens up the whole thing with, uh, with identity politics and the, the sort of constant barrage of criticism of identity politics that comes from the right all the time, which is ironic because a lot of them engage in it just as much, you know, they'll they do kind of cordon themselves off into online communities into and and and, and create new identities for themselves. They're they're gamer gators or they're incels or they're this, that, whatever. Everyone likes labels to describe what they are for whatever reason. I don't know why. Um but but it's just sort of a natural human tendency um to do. And I remember when the big thing, if you were an internet personality who was wanted to be seen as edgy and funny was to go after political correctness, to go after identity politics, just constantly. This Milo Yiannopoulos guy somehow being a talentless fucking hack like he is, somehow made a huge following for himself doing it. And um, I just remember rebelling against that specifically because I was I always try to be part of communities that I think I want to... Um, rebel against if that makes sense my not be part of them but just be an observer because my natural tendency is if i see a bunch of people doing one thing i want to do the opposite of what they're doing i don't know why i just have this like contrarian idea i just i, I eventually notice the, the patterns and the repetitions and the group think or whatever maybe this goes back to religion and i just say i don't want to be a part of that i think you're all dumb and uh and that's that so i was you know i i think i mentioned at the outset i i added all these random people to my facebook back when i first started doing like or uh right before the genesis of like doing comedy or memes or anything and a lot of them were were these kind of alt-right adjacent people <clears throat> And this was a, a very crucial time 
where um, this stuff was really gaining like media attention and significance and stuff. And I just saw how, how fucking similar they all were. And uh, I, I just thought, you know, this is, this is supposed to be your, your counterculture. You're all just aping each other and, and, and uh, repeating cliches to each other and thinking the same. And, uh, and I hated it <laughs> and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be no part of it. You were too meta, right? Like you were able to think about it and then you would, you were able to think another level, like layer beyond it. Yeah, I think that's just a a, a problem. Like maybe 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 it's a problem. I don't know, but I I I, I like to be in- incredibly meta. I think to a fault. It is kind of like a battle, right, on the internet for the hearts and minds of the internet, the left versus right. Oh yeah. Where like the last uh, you know five or ten years, right? Because it was like on regular TV, moderate Democrat, that kind of uh, liberal uh philosophy was winning there so yeah for sure the right went all in on the internet and probably also radio and a lot of podcasts and so this kind of uh more socialist or anarchist uh or more like kind of younger left have been trying to fight back and take back the internet right how do you think that war is happening or how it's going right now like who's winning like how's the war effort? <laughs> yeah, how is the war effort? You know, son, I think um, I think we're doing a lot better than anyone gives us credit for, as far as the left goes. Um, like the, I don't know, mainstream media coverage. And again, I don't like to harp on the mainstream media because that's just another stupid fucking right wing talking point. Um, but mainstream media coverage isn't the best when it comes to pointing out that, like, for every, you know crazy uh, alt-right community and or whatever there's there's a lot of left-wing ones and if you ask me it's the the left who has the superior kind of creative edge over the right and this is something that again doesn't get media coverage because the meme became uh what is it the left can't meme that became a meme itself and it really i don't know i guess it probably referred to like the early efforts of democrats to get people excited about hillary clinton or whatever but the left really can and they're constantly kind of innovating styles they get very meta um they just do all kinds of weird wacky wonderful stuff while the right is doing the same fucking things they were doing in, in 2016 the same fucking memes it's always the same templates it's fucking wojack it's uh, pepe or whatever and it's just it's it's old and stale and tired and none of them can see how old and stale and tired it is and that's probably the biggest source of uh, <laughs> of my <laughs> my rage or my biggest beef with with the right is it's like you guys just you, you guys are so smug about the fact that you're doing the same old shit you know it's like if um it's like if uh, it's like a comedian who does the same routine for for fucking 10 years it's like fucking carrot top or something it's like if carrot top thought he was a fucking comedy god it's you know i'm pretty sure carrot top knows his place but it's like if he thought he was amazing um you know what i mean it's just like that kind of uh, i don't know infuriating it's sort of like from a completely outside like objective standpoint if i'm not even taking a side i would say you know the right has to fucking come up with new material yeah you know uh, i think the i think the left's winning yeah i think uh that's the same reason why they like a lot of these like 90s uh anti-pc comedians right yes it's just a rehashing of the old same old shit from forever ago and none of them are even into the good shit <laughs> They're into Joe Rogan. Yeah. None of them are going back and being like, hey, I listen, I re-listened to you know, Bill Hicks' old stuff. And man, it was sure pertinent to today. It's like, no, it's it's the old hacks from back in the day, you know? Yeah. And they're saying the same kind of old observations 
a lot of their stereotypes are very old, right? Like they can make a stereotype of a group and you're like, man, that's not even updated. Like, yeah, maybe they're going to make a, a, a joke about like Asians being good at math or something. It's like, hey, why aren't you laughing? It's too PC. It's like, ah, uh, so old. I'm like, dude, Asians are like the biggest stoners now, yes. man. You got to update that thing. Yes. Make jokes about Asian smoking weed. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> they already made a movie about Asian smoking weed. <laughs> they made three movies of them. Oh, yeah. shit. You're right. Oh, shit, you're right. You're right. Harold and Kumar. <laughs> yeah, but these like 90s Gen X dad joke guys have to, you know, watch them and like get updated. When you selectively pick things that you want to talk shit about, you run into logical fallacies all the time. So if you take a look at people like Ben Shapiro, when he talks about climate change, it's like, number one, you're not a scientist and you clearly state it. And your solution to rising tides is why don't you just sell your land and move inland? It's like who the fuck are you gonna sell it to, Aquaman? I don't know. Like yeah. that makes no sense. They say these things because they want to own the libs. That's it. It's all about owning the libs. It's not about anything deeper than that. And I just can't imagine building your whole fucking worldview around owning them libs. And I'm glad you brought up Ben Shapiro. Can we talk about him? Because he is so symptomatic, I think, of something that hap- that's a relatively recent phenomenon as far as right-wing politics go, where they get these kind of younger people who you know they think are going to be you know hipper appeal to that younger crowd, who are going to um, hashtag own the lips and do it in a way that you know might be entertaining but isn't really uh informative or or well thought out it's a it's a gish gallop is what uh, ben shapiro does a lot and that's where you just sort of blind the enemy debater with as many like facts and statistics and whatever that you can whether or not they're relevant or make any sense or serve your argument you just sound like you're so full of knowledge when you just start you know spouting off random stuff and uh, it's sort of like I wish there's this blurry line um, between being like a serious political commentator uh, and being a, a comedian that I really I really hate. And I really like that to be a, a, fu- a, a very well defined line. And again, Milo Yiannopoulos is another one of these guys where and he sort of exemplifies what we were talking about earlier with where you don't know what's ironic and what's not. Because he will, would make these very serious kind of videos and stuff and talk about how the, the, the left wants to take away your free speech or whatever. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I study him a lot. Um, no, but then he'd, uh, you know, say something else that was directed towards some minority group who cares which one and then he'd be like wow it was just troll it was just trolling bro don't you know don't you know how to take a joke i'm just a comedian i'm not anybody you're just getting mad over over nobody and it's just this tactic of blurring the line that i that I, i really hate i think you know our comedians should be comedians our political commentators should be political commentators and i feel that way about the left too i'm not a huge like i'm not a huge uh I was never a huge Daily Show fan. I know that might make me unpopular, but... No, I was going to say that Jon Stewart really started blurring that line, like, you know, clown nose on and off. Exactly, exactly. And I just, I I don't know, I think it's, I think there's definitely a place for politics in comedy, obviously, but I just, it's not, it's not what I want out of comedy. I, I, I you know, I think motherfuckers just want to laugh, you know, um, to quote, uh, I think it was Harris Whittle said that. So... I don't want to fucking learn. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned earlier about identity politics, and I can't help but think how contradictory a lot of right-wing people are 
when they say we don't engage in identity politics. Like, yes, you do. They absolutely ben Shapiro do. is a straight up Islamophobe, but he says, I can't be against religion. I'm Jewish. Yes. And Dave Rubin and Milo will say, well, I can't be homophobic. I'm gay. Yeah. And uh, with, with Milo too, it's like, how could I be, you know, courting Nazis or whatever? I am a Jew. You really think they'd follow me? Yeah. And uh, it reminds me of, and you know, this might be a, I don't know if this is inappropriate or not, but I just watched The Pianist with Adrian Brody the other night. I watched ne- Leaving Neverland, the Michael Jackson documentary, and then The Pianist because apparently I was feeling suicidal and just <laughs> wanted to fucking die. Um, uh, but he reminds me of the character. There's a character who's in the Jewish police, which is like the, um, um, I don't know, the they would give certain Jews like uh, power uh, over the other Jews or whatever to kind of help with their suppression efforts. And it's, you know, it's sort of like, imagine being so one dimensional that you can't even picture someone who belongs to some subgroup, maybe doing something that might harm that subgroup by, you know, courting people who want to, to, uh, to oppress them or whatever, you know, it's just like a kind of a basic thing. Like it just happens in, in real life. It happens in, in communication and, uh, and people are like, well, no, it, 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 it can't happen. Milo's a Jew. Why would that happen? You know, it, I just, I don't get it. Yeah. There was that whole thing with the, the priest or whatever. And that's like, that's what got him in trouble was the, the joke about the, I don't know, something about a priest and a blowjob. And I, I probably shouldn't get into it. But that was kind of twisted online too, right? Because that was uh, first started by uh, the Reagan battalion. They found the old clip. Yeah, yeah. And it was like the conservatives who canceled him. It was crazy. Yeah, the conservatives canceled him. And then they blamed it on the left. <laughs> it was a perfect side uh, uh, but It was like, uh, yeah, it, it was insane. I, I've never seen the right cancel someone before, like ever. You know what I mean? Like they seem to just tolerate whatever. I thought they denounced back in the day, uh, Pat Buchanan. Oh, but he's making a comeback now too. So I don't know. No way, Pat Buchanan is making a comeback. Are you? The the '90s really are coming back in a big way. If fucking Pat Buchanan's back in town, is he? Maybe not like a revival tour, but <laughs> a revival he tour. is popular in some circles. <laughs> I like. You know? to th- is he doing stand up now? I like to think traveling the country. No, but he's getting enough plugs where it's like you know. As a great American, Pat Buchanan said, I'm like, hold on, were you quoting again? Is there another one I missed? (laughs) That's so weird. I had to do a lot of catch up on uh, American politics in general. Did you guys talk about politics at all at home? No, not not while we were in the religion. No. Um, You're supposed to remain like completely separate from the entire like rest of the world basically so it's a very isolationist um and you're not really you're not allowed to have like true like friends outside the religion like your coworkers are your coworkers, and you can be friendly and you're encouraged to be like friendly to people but you can never make friends that aren't jehovah's witnesses and you can't talk about government you know or politics or anything like that that might be um divisive so, uh, you know, I knew next to nothing when it first started. Um, and I had to catch up on like the last hundred years. It's fun stuff. You know, in a weird way, don't you feel like that also makes you more knowledgeable about it than other people who just took it for granted and don't know anything? Yeah, it's sort of like if I had just gone through the whole regular school process, I probably would have just glazed over. And it's like I would have had, uh, it's sort of a, it's a weird thing. Cause like on the one hand, I like to think back and be like, you know, I could have had, 
a regular life, but I don't know if I, I, I wouldn't be who I am now, you know? Um, so I have no idea where I'd be. I'd, I might be doing something completely different. Yeah, but you're like Captain America. You know, you <laughs> got, got out the, the ice and ice. then now you're discovering things one at a time. Like, I'll That's put it on right. the list. Typhoon, <laughs> Marvin Gaye, Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. I, re- I resonated with that fucking scene so much when he was just like crossing things off that list. I'm like, yeah, that's that was me. That was me. Hey, can we talk? You, you said Captain America. And can we talk about Marvel for a minute? Or is that too? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. Oh, my God, guys. Uh, so, okay. The theory I'm reading online <laughs> is that Ant-Man is going to crawl up... Um, the glove guy. What's Thanos? His name? Thanos. Yeah. He's going to crawl up his ass and expand. And that's how he's going to be defeated. Mm, are you giving away spoilers? Kind of prediction spoilers? I might be. I, I might be. what if this happens? As I, as I mentioned, I worked in the entertainment industry. So I'm kind of privy to these things. You know, I did make ringtones that never got produced. So certain powers come with that. So Ant-Man might be the most powerful of the all the superheroes. I would really love that. I mean, honestly, I loved Paul Rudd as Ant-Man. I could not have picked it better myself, like, casting-wise. And I'm just like, Paul, it's almost like it's just Paul Rudd. It's just him. And he's just so thrilled to be there and be part of the Avengers. And that's like so, it, it just, it's so, his enthusiasm is so infectious as that character. Dude, he never ages. He's like almost 50. I can't believe that. There's some celebrities that just stay the same age for forever. I think I saw a picture of Joan Jett um, when she was like 50 one time, and she looked like Joan Jett just back in the day. And I was just like, and this is a rock star. These are people who are supposed to age badly in the entertainment world. And she's just still rocking it. It's incredible. She discovered lotion. That's the secret, lotion. Oh, man. White people... Do not know about lotion. That's a great uh, Bill Burr bit because he talks about white people don't know about lotion. And it's true. <laughs> we do not. I, I Discovering lotion was the, the probably the, the, the it's, like this, it's like the fountain of youth. You just bathe in this oil every day. Like when you're an Asian kid, which we are, you know, which all three of yes. us are, right? <laughs> if you couldn't tell. <laughs> We're all Asian. Just all Asians here. No, but like since... You can remember your parents and your, especially your mom is bugging you to just lather yourself up in lotion. And I think people don't realize that's, that's one of our secrets to looking young. We've just been lathering up in lotion since we were young exactly. and just sleeping in Tupperware. Yes. I remember going over to my friend's house, uh, uh, black family. And yeah, the same thing happened. His mom was like, put, put, put lotion on. And I was like, I've never heard a mom tell anyone to put lotion on before. Like lotion what is that even for it's for like smelling good or something i couldn't like figure it out and i didn't realize that people human beings get ashy you know like it's it's not something uh, that i ever thought about and it, the, again that bill burr bit just resonates with me so much because i would be like why every winter i'd be like why am i itchy what's going on <laughs> moisture moisture that's what you need <laughs> who knew and and you got to put on a different kind of lotion on your face than your body don't don't make that beginner mistake yeah don't put that body lotion on your face that's amateur hours guys discovering moisturizer that was nuts you really did come out of the cave i really was in a, a whole different world okay and you know i don't know if we've we haven't really discussed this guys but if you couldn't tell you know, I am a transgender person. I used to be, 
a dude. The cat's out of the bag now. The cat's out of the bag. I used to be a guy. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> uh, the, the, the big reveal. They had to go. They had to go well over an hour into the podcast to get the big reveal before they learned. They had to stick around. This is premium content. I have a dick. <laughs> This is an unlocked episode. We were going to go premium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is on Stitcher Premium, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> First 10 minutes free. Yeah. Yeah. So the big reveal. You used uh, to be a dude. I used to be a dude. Wait, why are you bringing this up anyway? I was bringing it up because I was telling you, um, I discovered moisturizer and it fucking revolutionized my whole life. Because... Uh... <laughs> Wait, that was part of your transformation. You're like, wait a minute. That was part of my transformation. <laughs> <laughs> it was the first day I put moisturizer on. I was like, I think I'm a woman. <laughs> <laughs> Now the right winger is going to start banning oh, lotion yeah. and moisturizer. Like, hey, keep your kids away from lotion. It turns them gay. It's all that soy in there. That's why. It's the gateway drug to gayness is lotion. <laughs> Gay frogs happen because too much lotion in the water. Oh, God. It makes so much sense now. <laughs> so you moisturized. Okay, I take moisturized. Uh, yeah. So, um, you know. Early on, you know, I got to start shaving, like, my face. And, look, I was never – God made a huge mistake with me because I was never a very impressive specimen as a boy, right? I couldn't really, like, grow facial hair very well. So it wasn't the biggest deal, like, to, to shave all the time and all that shit. But my skin started getting so raw and just terrible. And then I tried to put makeup on. And this is something that everyone who, when they first start their, like, their transition, their journey or whatever – they go through this really awkward phase where they just pancake that shit on there with like <laughs> no moisturizer and you look like a walking pool cue. You know what I mean? Like just <laughs> dust flying off <laughs> when you go places and your skin's all blotchy and messed up. So getting into like a really good skincare routine, I feel like, honestly, I feel somehow I feel healthier in the rest of my life. Don't know if that's placebo or not, but like just having that nice smooth skin that I can just leisurely apply a little light makeup onto no lotion it's a life changer lotion is important i didn't know it lotion yeah i think that should be the main takeaway of this uh episode of your podcast in fact if you want to title it lotion colon the life changer parentheses also turns you uh gay then you should uh you should you should go for it well you're a professional copywriter so i know it's golden you know (laughs) exactly oh don't forget to work in lawyers uh in san diego as well somewhere in the title (laughs) Wait, is that free? Yeah, this is a this is a freebie. The rest is behind the paywall. Stitcher Premium. Okay, maybe you should change it to instead of lotion turns you gay. It's like side effects could be <laughs> side effects. homosexuality. It's like wow, wow. You know, usually I don't take notes, but that was a really good Surgeon one. General's warning. Yeah, Surgeon General's warning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, just to go backwards a little bit. Um, when you were religious, into your faith, as they say. Uh, yeah, into Jesus. Did you already have inklings that you didn't feel like, you know, that uh, your biological body like matched who you were? Uh, most, most definitely. But, you know, at that time, it's a hard thing to describe because it's um something a lot of people don't have to go through is having like constant cognitive kind of dissonance we describe it kind of like as like you're thinking in a box kind of thing and you're not allowed outside of the box so when i was in my little box my little jesus box 
um, people who yeah, I don't know, used to be men or whatever, and I, I wasn't even sure how the whole thing worked. But we just viewed them as kind of like crazy people. Like we also thought that like just regular old run of the mill homosexuals or whatever were bad and not good. Um, maybe they're good people or whatever, but you know, God doesn't like it. He hates the sin, not the sinner, all that fucking bullshit. So not being allowed outside of that box, I didn't think about it too much. And then, you know, puberty runs around and I know that it feels wrong and everything, but I can't really like, I don't have even the internal vocabulary, if that makes sense, to really put what I'm going through into words. So it took me quite a while. Um, how do you even think about it, right? Right. Like, like how do you even like think about it? Um, and that can kind of mess you up later because the stereotype or the cliche, I guess, with uh, transgender people is often that, oh, they always knew, you know, it's just a, a thing that you always know. And it's sort of like it, in a way I, I did always know, but I couldn't go there. You know what I mean? It was just a corner of my mind. I couldn't even approach. So after I got out, it took me, uh, I don't know, a year or so to, um, really discover that that was even like something that that human beings do like that it's uh that some people have the the brain chemistry just switched or whatever and uh and a transition from one gender to the to the other one and even then i was i was at a position in life where i couldn't really i i didn't want to do it so i just said to myself well i'm just never going to actually like take that step and once you what you learn with with uh, trans people is that when they try to do that, it just drives them fucking insane, and uh, you know it, it, it definitely added to like depression and all this other stuff that I was dealing with. So eventually, I did, um, you know, I, I made the uh, I made the jump, I guess, and uh, transitioned. And everyone's very very uh, very nice and supporting about it. So I, I haven't really had too many issues. Like I said, I wasn't an impressive specimen as a boy. Nobody felt like. Oh man, we lost the good one. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no one was like. The people were like, oh, okay. Well, that one we can let that one go. That's fine. I can't pick him for the basketball team anymore. He was my go-to guy. <laughs> <laughs> now let me tell you, though, I have historically been very good at b-ball. This is a hidden talent that people don't realize. Yeah, okay. Very good at basketball. Yeah, it's like Prince. Like Prince. Is Prince good at basketball? I didn't know that. He's so short. Yeah, he was amazing. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, that was a whole segment of one of the Dave Chappelle's uh, Charlie Murphy's True Hollywood Stories, where he got balled up by Prince. And oh, they're like, wow. what? Really? And then Kevin Smith corroborated it because he went to Prince's house for something, and he saw Prince play basketball. I was like, this guy's amazing. You guys are talking about that Kevin Smith Prince story. You know, that, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Prince was a Jehovah's Witness as well. Oh. And uh, in that Kevin Smith story, he talks uh, quite a lot about his his weird beliefs and stuff. Such a great story. Anyone listening, go look that up. So all Jehovah's Witness can play basketball. That is what I'm saying. Yeah. Because <laughs> you guys understood uh, the globular thinking that you know, <laughs> things can be a globe in a yes. three dimension. You guys just had that understanding. Yeah. Yeah. We dribble that circle all over the, the court. It's crazy. <laughs> so was the internet helpful during this time also where you were like kind of looking for a way to think about it and trying to understand yourself also to find communities maybe? Hmm. Do I even want to talk about the trans community? Yikes. So here's a little cautionary word, I guess. Wait, do you guys all know each other too? We absolutely do. Yeah. We actually hang okay, out. Okay. There's a convention every year. Uh takes place. 
Is it right after the Asian convention? Is right you know, right are... after the Asian convention. Are you related to Andrew Yang, who wants to give everyone one thousand dollars? Yeah, that's Sam's cousin. Oh shit! I didn't know that. I always tweet to him that we're related. You know, hoping that he'd believe me. That he'd just give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. I uh, someone pointed out to me the other day that. Um, I'm friends with Andrew Yang on Facebook, like his personal account. And apparently I've been friends with him for like a year and a half. And I, I had just had no idea. Wow. You've gone full Yang. You got me. Yeah. You got him. <laughs> this is the Yang gang. <laughs> we were the original Yang gang. Uh, what was it? What was I talking about before uh, hashtag uh, Yang gang? Trans convention. Oh, the trans community. The trans community. Yeah. So um, it can be. Uh, so. It's sort of two worlds intersecting because on the one hand, you know, it's civil rights advocacy and people trying to support each other. But on the other hand, especially on the internet, it is a shit show. It is an absolute dumpster fire because you've got a lot of people who are going through the worst times in their lives, which are usually early transition or unsupportive family. And frankly, a lot of people who have like other like mental illnesses you know other problems that are very very severe um all kind of coagulating not coagulating but gathering in one place and it can be it can just be kind of incredibly toxic like just some of the attitudes and things that that go on and and uh uh uh, so i i was never super duper attracted to the trans community like i would i would dip in and out of certain groups and stuff but I figured, I guess, I think early on, like, I'm kind of going to be going through this with support from people in my life, but kind of alone. And I didn't ever want to, like, think of myself, like, so identify with the transgender community that that's how I ended up thinking about myself as a transgender, like, woman, instead of just uh, a regular old run-of-the-mill woman, so. Just as a former SEO fish doctor sound <laughs> producer right for some reason that wasn't one of the lives i wanted to add to my repartee <laughs> well that is the thing about like kind of emergent societies right where it's like oh it's not emergent i mean you could historically trace the trans community way back but but it's kind of the first time they're more out in the open kind of thing yeah exactly so it's just like when the gay community kind of started coming out decades ago right where everybody just assumed they were a monolith right and there's that one stereotype for gay people hello we all talk like them or whatever and uh, just uh just tons of stereotypes and and there are people who really played into that i feel like there were uh early on there were entertainers and stuff who who kind of took that stereotype and flipped it on its head and and whatever but it does kind end up perpetuating some of the stereotypes and stuff and i i remember i just didn't want to do that like i didn't want to be there's so many youtubers and stuff who make content exclusively like for trans people and that's cool and that's great and the trans community needs that but i didn't want to be so insular i wanted to be more of an entertainer to to everybody and i like the fact that i don't know i like it just being a, a casual fact about me that i happen to be and it's like I could have red hair and it would be just as important to me or you. You know what I mean? Um, I like that kind of casual approach to it. Do you know that guy, Nate Silver from 538? Do you ever read that guy? Oh my God. Yes. I love Nate. (laughs) (laughs) You do? 
No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I've read Nate Silver, but I, I have no opinion on him. I used to read, I used to follow the, you know, the Bernie polls back in the day. Here's how Bernie can still win. Here's why Nate Silver's wrong, all that stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But like, he says that all the time in his uh, interviews and stuff where he's like, I, I guess he is gay. But he's like, that's not what I want to be identified as. You oh, know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you just want to be identified as a neoliberal. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You should go with the gay thing. It's better. <laughs> can you imagine coming out? As a neoliberal, I think that's way worse. <laughs> oh man, that's I. Mm, 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 mm. Family would not support you. <laughs> like Blair White, you know that YouTuber? Oh yeah, Blair. Yeah. And then she came out as right wing. Yeah. That was like, crazy. Oh no. <laughs> that was like, so why? fun. You had so many positives, and then what? Uh, what? Unsubscribe. <laughs> I like. Okay, but here's the thing. I like that she exists. I guess I'll say. Because I like it when anyone kind of breaks the molds of what's expected of them. Not that she started trans and went right, but I like the fact that there are right-wing people who are following and listening to a trans person. And we're kind of just, I don't know, it kind of does something to divorce the whole transgender community from a specific political ideology, which I think kind of damages it a little bit. So I I, I guess I like that that she's around i don't agree with anything she's saying but um i think she's kind of cuckoo bananas milo kind of did that too you think milo yiannopoulos yeah milo yiannopoulos i feel like he did that too and that i remember i was telling people about milo like you know normal moderate democrats about him like three four years ago right and they're like no way a flamboyant gay guy being right wing is not possible they're like oh, they just yeah. could not fathom it. yeah right exactly it's like uh, well you know it's not about uh politics being uh gay or straight you know i thought the log cabin republicans proved that to everybody (laughs) already yeah it is a weird thing too because if you do believe like it's not a choice right it is something you're born into whether it's a race uh sexual orientation or gender or uh any of these things right if you are an ally and you believe this is genetic or it's just how it always is going to be why would you associate it with then a political ideology. Right, right. I think the, you know, the reason why is because especially Democrats, and I could rag on Democrats all the time. I mean, they know they're doing their best, but come on, guys. Um, especially Democrats, they like to do this kind of smug thing where they'd be like, well, the the other guy's policies are uh, all hurting them. So why would they get with them? And it's not like that isn't a valid point. But at the same time, you know, maybe this this gay Republican just really believes in, I don't know, smaller taxes for the wealthy or something. You know, it doesn't have to be always be a wedge issue. Yeah. What drives you crazier more, like hardcore right wing or moderate Democrats who are like, <laughs> almost could be like an ally, yeah, but, just, but just like, just of, keeps fucking it up. Honestly, and, you know. I hate to say it, but it's the moderate kind of Democrats <laughs> that drive me, me the too. <laughs> I just It's like, come on, guys, just you're so close to getting it. Just get it. <laughs> you know, it's almost like that sneeze, right? Where you want that relief. Yes, it's like yes. almost there. And it just leaves you there. Ah. Ruined. Yes. I think that's a good way to end the show. <laughs> I think so. Talking about sneezes, talking about moderate Democrats. <laughs> it's, it, you know, people have listened to two hours of this and there was like some great epiphany they were thinking they were going to get and then it just kind of leaves you there. Wonderful. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Infinity War. It's like, oh my God. No, you got to wait for the end game. So where can people find you? All right. So people can find me. Uh, first of all, I have a podcast, Kimber Tran Podcast, and that's available uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, 
whatever. A uh, new episode just came out. Um, I had some help from Rose Vineshank, a wonderful uh, comedian from the DC area, and uh, Seth Rogers, another comedian, and he's a local here to Houston. Um, you can also look me up on facebook.com slash real Kim Bertrand. I'm on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Bertrand's Media. My Twitter sucks, guys. My Twitter is not good. Do not visit it. Wait, is it just repost of your Instagram? For the longest time, it was auto posting everything I posted to oh, Facebook, no. and it's just that's like, a, yeah, it was like a no no. I know it's a huge no no, and I just, I just, I never undid it from way back in the day, from before it was a no no. And then I tried starting to use it again, but I think like all the initial like followers I had were just like done with me. So I'm trying to rebuild it, I'm trying to build it from the ground up again. Well, thank you then. Thank you. Thanks, guys. I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.